welcome back to Teacup, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. <laughs> and I'm Sabrina. Each week, we rewatch a decom. We talk about the good, the bad, the cringy. We make a lot of jokes. We have a lot of fun. And we attempt to place it on our ultimate decom ranking. And this week, we're watching the 1999 fish out of water classic, Johnny Tsunami. Megan, hit us with that summary. When surfing prodigy Johnny Kapahala is forced to move from Hawaii to Vermont, he finds himself at the center of a turf war between the Sky Academy skiers and the urchin snowboarders. Oh, we're just continuing. <laughs> okay. Cool. Mm. I'd like to apologize have... for that opening for throwing you off a little bit. <laughs> I loved it. Keep it. But this that is, great. is what his grandfather says throughout the whole movie. <laughs> the whole time. And it's so funny. And I love it. I love it. I was I not start... expecting it. <laughs> I might start throwing that into my day to day when I'm having a good time. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of Michael Jackson's like, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> are you gonna start doing that all the time now <laughs> I, I i would but i don't want to lose all of my friends and loved ones <laughs> yep that makes sense <laughs> yeah so let's start in with our first impression of this movie since neither of us have seen it yes um what was your first impression I, I really didn't have one. I didn't watch a trailer. I chose not to because I just wanted to go into this blind this time. I knew it was about snowboarding. I didn't expect there to be as much skiing in it. I did get excited and then I got sad about the skiing. Because <laughs> they really don't, we don't see a whole lot of skiing movies. I feel like there are a lot of snowboarding movies, but there's not a lot of skiing movies. And I ski, so like I, I got excited when I saw them skiing. Uh, but I didn't really have any expectations. And I, I remember Johnny Capahala back on board pretty well, but I, I had never seen the original. Yeah, I, I didn't really know much about these movies going in. I knew they were snowboard movies, but didn't know any of the rest of the plot. I did watch the like minute long Disney plus quote unquote trailer. Not really. They just pick like a minute long clip of the movie. And from that, I was like, okay, he's going to be the new kid. He's going to be bullied for being the new kid. And yeah. then he's going to end up being better than them at what they're doing, which happens to be snowboarding. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, okay, Winter this sports is in general, I guess. Right. But I was like, okay, I like that seems like a Disney movie, you know, seems like a decom. But there was a lot later that I was not expecting, which I was very surprised by. So going in, I kind of guessed the basic gist of the decom, but there was a lot that ended up surprising me. Yeah. Yeah. So would you so, like to know a little bit about the writer and director? Absolutely. Awesome. Because I have that info right here in my little notebook, my wow. podcast notebook. Cute. So this movie was written by Anne Austin and Douglas Sloan. And Anne Austin has written two other DCOMs, Motorcrossed and the sequel to this one, Johnny Capahala Back on Board. She also wrote several episodes for many different generations of Power Rangers. And she is... Currently, the head writer for the TV show Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures. Cool. Yeah. Love that. 
also love that she also was a part of the second one. Yes. I'm glad there's like a connection there because sometimes yes. you don't have that. Yeah. So and that makes me excited for the next one. You'll love to hear this too. Douglas Sloan, the other writer, also wrote Motorcrossed and Johnny Cavajala back on board. Nice. <laughs> they were writing partners for those. He also wrote many episodes of many generations of Power Rangers, more episodes and more generations of Power Rangers than Miss Ann Austin, but they both have that in common. And he also is a writer on two How to Train Your Dragon spinoff shows. So there are two separate TV shows that spin off the How to Train Your Dragon movies. One of them is called DreamWorks Dragons, and the other is Dragons Race to the Edge. And he is a writer on both of those shows. Those are pretty cool resumes for both of them. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And the movie is directed by Steve Boyum. Uh, Steve Boyum directed a few other DCOMs, such as Stepsister from Planet Weird, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, and Motocrossed. <laughs> <laughs> so they all had Motocrossed in common. We know yeah. where they met. Yeah, he also has directed uh, many episodes of a bunch of different like crime TV shows. But this is the cool thing about this director. He is mostly a stuntman. And he has over 72 stunt credits on his IMDb. And I've just pulled out some of like the coolest titles that stuck out to me. So in addition to like these 72 films he's done stunts on, he has done stunts for movies such as Apocalypse Now, Predator, Blues Brothers, Thelma and Louise, Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie, and Groundhog Day. That's so cool. I, I know. love that. I know. And I think like him being a stuntman works great for this movie that has so many stunts in it. Yeah. So I think yeah. like that probably like helped elevate those. But I definitely thought like Blues Brothers is like one of my favorite movies. So I got super hyped when I saw that he did stunts on Blues Brothers. I'm also interested in the transition from like stuntman to director. Yeah. Like I think that's really interesting. I would yeah. love to know like the story, like his story throughout this industry. Yeah, I would love to too, but I, really I don't cool. have that sadly. <laughs> Well, you should have done more. I need his full background. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't fire me from our podcast. <laughs> so why don't we hop into it? I would love to know some things that you really liked about this movie. Well, first, I have a question. Oh, a question? And it was a question that I wrote down pretty early on in the movie, actually, and... <laughs> I'm just wondering if I missed something or okay. if you also were confused. Um, the question is, what is the time frame of this movie? How long does this movie actually last in like this world? Because they learn a lot of things very quickly. And they also like he, they travel in this movie. And I'm just like, how long were they there before they got back? And it was also just like a lot of stuff where I was like, okay, when did they actually, when did he meet Sam? Was it like a week, the first yeah. week that he was at the school? Or was it like a month into being at the school? I was a little confused you know, on the I'm timeline. I'm going to say inconclusive results. I, I didn't really think too much about it, but now that you bring it up, it's not clear. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. 
I, in my head, I feel like it takes place over the course of like maybe a semester. Okay. I could, I could probably get behind that. I was just confused. So I was like, there's a lot going on. And also it's not like something you can easily pick up. Like a sport is not something that you can easily just like pick up on yeah, the spot. But, I mean, he has but I mean, he does some have, like, experience. Yeah. The experience with the surfing can kind of, so he has that balance and some people do pick like snowboarding up pretty quickly. Some people. That's true, don't. but this man was like landing jumps. He was, and like, and I was just like this. And granted, it's a decom. They tend to do yeah. this, especially with <laughs> so apparently winter sports movies. <laughs> but you know, there were just some moments where I was like, "How long have we been here?" Yeah, but I will say that compared to Cloud Nine, I am more willing to believe Johnny learned how to snowboard and got to that point in this amount of time than I am to believe Kayla was an okay snowboarder and then landed a triple flip and ski outskied an avalanche. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I I can fully believe this one way more than I could believe that one. But I was just there was a point in the movie where I was like, how long does this last? Like because they never specify. And I just didn't know if I missed something or <laughs> if it wasn't no, clear. No, no, no. It Just unclear. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm glad we got that figured out because I felt a little yeah. dumb. Okay. So let's go into what we liked yes. about this movie. What was your first like? I loved the grandpa. Johnny yes. Tsunami. J- Johnny's grandfather. Which if you've never seen this movie, Johnny Tsunami is Johnny's grandfather, not yeah. Johnny Kapahala, which I didn't right. realize. I didn't realize that the movie's named after the grandfather, but I think it's also like the medallion that he passes mm-hmm. down. And so in a way, Johnny becomes Johnny Tsunami. So yeah. I think it's it's a pretty cool title. Yeah, it, it's very, it's, it's poignant. Yeah, for DCOM, very poignant. No, I I definitely was surprised when... They said, like, that's what his grandfather went by. I was like, oh, was not expecting that. Yeah. I was confused looking at the two movies and being like, why does his name change? Like, is that a nickname? What is that? Yeah. But I loved the grandfather. And let, let, let's go in. This is like, he he's my first thing I want to talk about. First of all, the grandpa's hot. He's fit. He is fit. Fit, he's and fit? it was jarring <laughs> it was i was not expecting a hot grandpa in this movie but that's what was given to me and i would just like to say thank you <laughs> no literally my very first note that i took of this movie is dang that grandpa's fit yeah <laughs> and i was like whoa he is attractive <laughs> like no disrespect to johnny Kapahala, but i would date your grandpa <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we've already discussed it too, but like throughout the movie, the grandfather, the grandfather laughs like, hee hee. <laughs> it's so great. Um, it is. Also, I mean, this is, a, this is a, a sub positive in relation to this one, but the last line of the movie, the last thing that we hear, it fades to black and we hear, hee hee. <laughs> it's. It, I've never seen a movie end in a better way. 
ever. Yeah. I and I'm not perfect. generalizing. I am being 100% honest. In every movie I've ever seen, none has ever ended as great as this movie did with that <laughs> Absolutely. But I loved his relationship with Johnny. I loved it. Yes, he was incredibly supportive and like super caring and wise. I, he's so wise. He's so yes. And it just made me so happy to see this relationship from the very beginning too. Like it was, yeah, the relationship was established and it was there from the get. Mm-hmm. And it was such a heartwarming relationship from the very beginning. And I knew the moment that he started like talking to Johnny and his friends, I was like, I love this character. Yeah, I love no. him. And then he just got better throughout the movie. I would, I, we don't have a list for this, but we should. I would put him on like a list of my favorite characters out of any of the DCOMs we've watched. Yeah, I would as well. I, I absolutely adore Johnny him. Tsunami. Grandpa Johnny Tsunami. He is wonderful. What a legend. A legend. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. I, I also want to bring up, now this is not like my very first like, but it's another character that I loved. Johnny's mom. Johnny's mom was great. She was awesome. One of my favorite decom moms so Same. far. I loved, loved her. her. She was, she was like his grandfather, super caring, super supportive. Like she was there for Johnny at all points. And, and although she was still being a mom, she was still, yeah. you know, disciplining and like, but she was one of the best decom moms we've seen. And I yeah. feel like that's been a, like, a downfall of some of these decoms. Yeah. And it, I think this one wrote it. They wrote to, it perfectly. To add on to that, like we are skipping ahead in the movie. And like this is this is foreshadowing for one of my negatives. But I love that she stood up to her husband. Yes. I yes. One of the best things for that. I lived she for was it. She was spitting facts at his father and not like she was calling him out on his crap and she, she had like, no qualms. She was she walked away like listeners. This woman looked at her husband and was like, I'm going to leave you. Yeah, and I literally. was like, <laughs> yes, I was like, girl, do it. Leave him. Date his father. Date grandpa. <laughs> like, come on. It's like, okay, speaking of, like, there was a moment when they were leaving from Hawaii to go to Vermont, and she hugs the grandfather, and then the grandfather puts out his hand to shake his son's hand, and that's that's a whole different thing. Like, I'm going to yeah. go the, into that in the negatives, yeah. but that was a moment where I was like, this really sets up a lot about the family dynamic. Yeah, and I thought that was a great scene, too. I thought yes. it was a great way to convey these relationships and it and it definitely showed like the grandfather and the mother were very much on the same page especially around johnny like yeah and how they, to raise him yeah and you could tell like the father was disconnected from that yeah, and absolutely. even just in that small moment you could tell okay this this kind of like partnership between the mom and the grandpa is going to be very formative for the rest of the family plot I already said it, but she should have left her husband yes, for absolutely tsunami. <laughs> that would have been such a weird plot point. <laughs> yes. No, I wanted her. I wanted the mother to leave her husband for her father-in-law. 
And I know that's messy. Honestly, and I know it's weird. But if you watch the movie, I swear you'll get it and you'll be on my side. I, I am totally behind you on that one. Thank it you. would be, I want to see that movie just because it sounds like an intriguing plot, but yeah. also I want to see that happen. Yes. She deserves that. <laughs> she does. And you know what? I think I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. While we're talking about characters we love, uh, since we're like starting with characters, I yeah. loved the character of Sam, Johnny's yes. friend who he meets when he moves to Vermont, played by the actor who played the famous Jet Jackson on the, I don't know if many people are familiar with that show, but it was the famous Jet Jackson was the first African-American led Disney Channel show. And it's, it's not on Disney plus. I want to watch it. It was, it was before my time, but I've always wanted to watch it because I've always heard such great things about it. And I, so it's that actor. And I thought he did so good in this movie. Me too. Like I loved their friendship. Yes. Their friendship, maybe one of the best decom friendships that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Sabrina, and you was... and I really got to get together at some point and make superlatives. We do. (laughs) That's very true. Like this friendship was so wholesome and so genuine. And also like, just to throw this out there, both of the actors, great. Yes. That was who I wanted to talk about next was the actor who played Johnny. Yeah. Great acting from both of their sides. Now I do have something to say and I don't know if you'll agree. Oh no. But honestly, I believed that Sam and Johnny had more chemistry than Johnny and Emily. <laughs> I was like, that would be cute. Honestly, I would take it. <laughs> you know like, what? I, I will wait to comment on this because I want to comment on Emily in a different section of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Emily um, played by the one and only Xenon. I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe that we have Xenon and Jet Jackson in this movie. And Johnny Capahala, like three just icons, three '90s decom icons, like crazy. yeah, yeah. But there was there was definitely a moment where it was a Sam and Johnny moment that I was like, oh, if this were like gay, it would be really cute. Like I would believe that. <laughs> like everybody is talking about how Cadet Kelly is gay, and I'm like, nah, Johnny Capahala or like yeah. Johnny Tsunami. It, it would be really cute. But but no, I, I did, just I did like their friendship a lot as well. Yeah. I think their chemistry on screen was just so wholesome and so genuine. Yeah, it was, um, it was so, and, so cute. And speaking of Sam, I loved Sam and his dad and their backstory. Yeah. they So Sam in this movie, his father is a sergeant in the military and his mother died a few years previous. I think that's what he told um, yeah. Johnny. His, his mother and passed. Yeah. And, you know, his father comes home and he's just, you know, he's so excited to see his son and his father like immediately is so sweet to Johnny, which is a complete opposite reaction than Johnny's own father, which is a whole deal that I'm not going to get into right now. But it was (laughs) one of those moments that I was like, oh, this is so cute. Like, I love that, like, Sam and his father have such a great relationship. And then Sam's dad also like is so sweet to Johnny. Yeah. And it and just like their backstory is something that you I haven't seen in a decom. I also love when the best friend character is more fleshed out and has a whole like three-dimensional yes. life 
other than best friend character. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And this one definitely played into that too, because it wasn't just like, oh, they mentioned this about Sam's life. Like it plays out through the rest of the plot, which I really liked. I would like to talk a little bit more about like the general story. And Mm -hmm. something that I loved about this story was that we got to see two different sports and the cultures surrounding those sports. So like we start out in Hawaii with surfing and we see a lot of like the surfing culture and which comes out of a lot of Hawaiian culture as well. And then we move to Vermont where we see this this whole world of like skiing and snowboarding. And I thought it was really cool that we saw like two different, very, very different sports in one movie and it still felt very cohesive. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I kind of, I I like the opposition of, or what you think is like the opposition of this, but then they also bring it together and show how one set of skills can be transferred to the other and how they're not all that different. And that also just plays into the rest of the plot of, you know, Johnny being the new kid and how he's really not that different from the other kids. So I think it's interesting that it they both kind of worked together in that way to speak yeah. to the same message. And then the, another thing I want to bring up, the stunt skiers and the stunt snowboarders in this movie go yeah. crazy. The scenes that this movie has, <laughs> I was just like, these poor stunt people are going off, which like, oh I mean, they're incredible. God. They are insane. But I'm also thinking, like, they didn't need to go this hard. No, it's but they decom, did. They did that for but us. But they did. It's and like, it, I would describe it as, like, you know how Phil Collins went super hard on the Tarzan soundtrack? That is how I see these stunt stunt skiers and stunt snowboarders for this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, I, I was watching it, and I was, like, watching it so intently because I was like, these people are actually doing this. Like, how? Yeah. What? It's wh- ha- why? <laughs> it, it was insane. You know what's funny is like we talked about how great the stunt snowboarders on Cloud Nine were, and they were. Yeah, they were yeah. great. But this is different in that, like, you guys have to watch this movie. <laughs> like they they go crazy. Like it's they are skiing and they are snowboarding. But they have this like 90s physical comedy that they've put Mm -hmm. into their stunts that's just phenomenal. It makes it look bonkers. The scene where Johnny is getting on skis for the very first time and they push him down the slope. And that whole scene where you like see him struggling, but still skiing at the same time. I'm like, that can't be easy for a like stuntman to do to like make it look like bad. Yeah, but you have to be a real still, good skier to yeah. have the body control to look out of control. Like right. that is that takes a lot. Yeah, and like, I've been skiing incredibly plus years. I don't think I could look that out of control. <laughs> yeah, and like as someone who does not do winter sports and knows nothing about it, I'd like my frame of reference is when we do like stage combat in theater, you yeah. have so much more control than you should look like you have. Yeah. And so I was like, this is already such a physically difficult sport yeah. to do. Yeah. And then you're making it look like it's like, you're not doing well while also doing really well by not 
looking like you're doing well. It's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it really was nuts. And well, and I was watching it and I was thinking like, okay, like I've I've from where I've worked in lift operations and stuff, I've watched a lot of beginners learning how to ski. And I was like, okay, this isn't exactly what beginners look like when they first ski. But I will say he did go down like one of the hardest slopes. So what's something else that you really liked? I I absolutely loved Johnny's passion for surfing. Yes. And like, he was also just like a good kid. Like he did yeah. not like make a big deal out of them moving. Like you could tell he was disappointed, but like he, he knew yeah. it, it's what his family it had to do. And he was it. being really positive. Yeah. Even though it was like, you could tell it was very hard for him. But whenever Crushed he was it. talking to his family, <laughs> he was like, he was like, oh, you know, something we had to do, you know, and it yeah. was, it was heartbreaking in like, in the best way, because that's what it was supposed to feel like. And I think he played that role so well. Brandon Baker, A plus yeah, playing A+ Johnny. Plus. And just, I think his passion that ran throughout the movie just made me connect with him so much. And it yeah. felt very genuine. And it was just so cute to see him like spring up from bed and he's like wearing his swim trunks and he's like ready to go. And it's like a kid at that age, like unless you really have something you're excited about, like that's not what they're doing. They're sleeping in and playing with toys in their room. Like he is out there at the crack of dawn, like in the water. And it was just so nice to see because you're like that, you know, that's what he wants to do. Like, yeah, that's his whole life. And it was just heartwarming. Yeah. There was a little bit in this movie that I really liked. It was small, but I think it really helped build up the world that we were in. And so I'll try to describe it, but it it came in threes. So in Hawaii, we see Johnny early on in the movie, he's eating fresh cut pineapple. And then mm-hmm. later on, we see him also in Hawaii, again, eating some fresh cut pineapple in a different scene. And then once Johnny moves to Vermont, he's in the cafeteria at his new school for the first time. And the lunch lady is like, oh, do you want some pineapple? And he goes, yeah. And she dumps like this like canned sludgy pineapple on his tray. And he was like, oh, no, I asked for pineapple. And she holds up like a can of like Hawaiian pineapple, but it's like canned crushed pineapples. And it's like so processed and looks really gross. And I, I really loved that. Like, I think it showed like this cultural difference that Johnny now has to deal with and like the idea of like commodifying Hawaii and selling it in different places. But I, I really thought that that was a bit and it, you know, rule of threes, like it, it worked, it, it worked really well. Yeah. Like they set it up well and it was a good payoff to kind of just subtly show these differences. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also want to bring up the scene where Johnny's father apologizes to him at the end, towards the end of the movie. Yeah. I I thought this scene was really well done, really well written, well acted. And not only was it the moment with Johnny and his father, like speaking to each other, but the moment after when Johnny's father goes and he sees his wife sitting there like reading a book and he sees his father sitting there and they have just witnessed this whole thing. And it's just such a cute moment that involved everyone. Mm-hmm. And you could tell like the mom and the grandfather were like, you should have done that earlier. Like, this is what you needed to do. Like, 
have you learned your lesson? And I thought it was just a really well-rounded moment and also a very well-acted scene that I know looking back on the movie is one of the scenes that I specifically remember. Yeah, absolutely. My last (laughs) like is very small and it's kind of a joke, but at the end of the movie, so, uh, For those who didn't watch it, Johnny races his bully to desegregate the mountain, which we'll get into in just a minute. If that (laughs) sounds confusing, just wait. (laughs) But Johnny obviously wins the race. But at the end of the race, as they're crossing the finish line, the stunt skier who is skiing for Brett, he like, I don't know exactly what happened, but we see him like lose his skis. And like, I loved, so when in like skiing, if you see somebody wipe out really bad and they lose both of their skis and their poles, we call it a yard sale. (laughs) Um, And I thought it was really funny that Brett just yard sailed at the end of this race. I don't know how they, I don't know how the stunt skier did that. I don't like, I, I don't know how you purposely yard sale. Like, I don't understand the mechanics of that. So I don't know if he accidentally yard sailed and they were just like, keep it or if they actually did. But I thought it, I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. I, I have two more small likes and one of them is I loved like the late nineties kind of rock slash pop punk music throughout this movie. I loved it. And I thought it fit pretty well. Like it didn't feel out of place, but I was like, oh, I like this a lot. Like this is good music that I would probably listen to outside of this movie. And then the second thing is I loved when Sam was teaching Johnny how to snowboard. Mm -hmm. Johnny wasn't the only one falling in the scenes. There were people behind them trying to do like different tricks and stuff like that and falling. And I was like, this is nice. Like, it's not just like the main character is struggling while everyone else is fine. Like, like there are people surrounding them practicing and kind of falling over and trying different things. And it just helped like fill out the world a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't, okay. I have this little subsection that I would like to bring to the pod just for this episode only. And it's something I want to talk about because I think it's a positive and a negative. Like, I don't know where I can land with it. But a big plot point of this movie, I would say the biggest plot point, the main thing in this movie, is the, like, the, the feud between the skiers and the snowboarders. And it is also used to show, like, this class war of sorts. There's like heavy classism themes in this movie. So the basically the idea is like the rich kids at the academy that Johnny goes to, they are very rich and they ski and they are very like skiing is elite. This is what we do. And then the kids who go to the public school are snowboarders and they're kind of more more middle to lower class and they are called urchins like the, the everybody calls them urchins which we will get into later but it's like this idea of the snowboarders being like second class citizens on the mountain and the mountain is literally segregated like skiers have one side of the mountain and snowboarders have another and they aren't allowed to mix and the kids who go to the academy aren't allowed quote to snowboard and 
there was a point where I was kind of laughing because I was like, this is so dramatic. Like, yeah, uh, Xenon literally is like, we go to sky, we ski, we don't snowboard. Like they act like snowboarding is drugs. (laughs) It was very intense the way they talked about it. And like I upon like my first watching it. I was like laughing and I was like, this is a negative. This is so dramatic. This is not what it's like now. Like I ski with snowboarders. Uh, we all hang out. Everybody's everybody's chill. But then after the movie, I kind of sat and I like thought about it. And I thought back to like growing up in the ski world. And I do, I did kind of remember like this whole stereotype about snowboarders and like, oh, they're reckless. They're this, they're that. Whereas now I kind of like, I kind of moved out of the ski world and then came back into it after high school, college. So I like looked it up and this was real. Like, I mean, I just, I didn't realize how bad it was, but like there, there was a huge skier versus snowboarder feud. Snowboarders were considered like very urban and they got stereotypes for being lazy, reckless, and like, like potheads. And it really has just been in the last decade that that kind of stereotype has been essentially almost entirely eradicated because with the popularization of snowboarding and snowboarding has been around since the 60s, you really can't generalize this entire group of people because there are so many different groups of people in there. Like I know 80 year old snowboarders, so it's not like it's just like a young man's sport. I know I know like very young skiers. I know old snowboarders. I know preppy snowboarders and I know bummy skiers. Like it's yeah. now it's not so much ski culture and snowboard culture. It's more of like combined winter sports culture. However, and I'm sorry, I'm talking for so long. I really hope I don't sound pretentious. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> but there are three ski resorts in the United States that don't allow snowboarding. It's Alta, Deer Valley, and Mad River Glen. And like Alta and Deer Valley are two very like popular ski resorts. So, but from what I've researched, that really is kind of like the only lasting mark of this skier versus snowboarder feud, I guess. Other than like yeah, other than like jokes here and there where like, you know, we, you might make a joke about it, but it's all lighthearted because everybody knows it's kind of dumb. Like yeah. like today, a snowboarder and a skier were trying to load the lift and the snowboarder fell and the skiing friend looked at me and he goes, he's a boarder. And <laughs> like, it's just like little things like that now. But I really thought that it was it. I put it as a negative at first because it seems so unrealistic now and dramatic. And I know, Sabrina, you also thought it was very dramatic. (laughs) Yes, it seemed a little intense considering the subject matter. Yes. But I I also have it as a positive because like in the 90s, this would have been the height of that rivalry between skiers and snowboarders. I didn't love that the skiers were portrayed as awful but I think that's because I'm a skier Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I didn't love that but I understand that skiers have oppressed snowboarders in the past so I get it I understand they needed to have a villain but I didn't love like this broad strokes paintbrush of like skiing is bad and snowboarding is good because like 
it, they also cost about the same. Like that, that was the other thing yeah. about like the class thing is like a lift ticket costs the same no matter what. And depending on the gear you get, it could be more expensive or less expensive. So it, there, there's really no reason for them to be separated. Like yeah. it's literally just a culture but, thing. Yeah, but that's more now. Like I said, like before snowboarding was seen as more like urban, which is like the whole fear mm. of urbanization and right. the culture, like hip hop culture and black culture that, you know, a lot of people were afraid of in the 90s. Right. But that's politics. We don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to not go into that too far. <laughs> this is a decom. Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. I learned a lot, though. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear some of your negatives about this movie. Okay, I'm going to start with, because we started with characters last time, I'm going to start with my least favorite character. And that was Johnny's dad. Mine too. <laughs> he sucked. Okay, he and here's the thing. awful. Here's the thing. Like, I get that he was supposed to be one of, like, the yes. villains of this movie. I get yes. that that's a point. You're not supposed to like him. I get that. How but happened? the amount of notes... I wrote throughout the movie where I was like, couldn't have rolled my eyes more. He needs to stop. He's the worst. Like I wrote it multiple times because I was just so annoyed by how this man had zero empathy for anyone. And that he, the way he treated his family was appalling, in my opinion. Yeah. They made him too unlikable. Like they went way yes. overboard. They could have cut down and we still would have got the point. Like the, there was one moment where I was like, oh, you're a terrible human being. And this was that moment. It was when Johnny tells his father that Sam, his best friend, is <gasps> yes! leaving, is moving. This is the worst. And, and his dad says, well, I think that's for the best. He, but he also said, you're not going to want to hear this. But I think that's for the I think best. It's for the best. I, I was yelled. like, your son's best friend, the like one of the only people who has made him feel welcome here, is leaving, and you are saying, oh, good, because he doesn't what? want Johnny to snowboard. He doesn't. Jo he doesn't want Johnny to do any physical activity. No, he doesn't want him to do anything that he likes to do. Yeah, <laughs> he wants him to do nothing that he loves. And I wanted to throw that man out the window. I was like, this kid has a passion and he has a drive to do this. Let him do it. Yeah. Like, I also I, hated when when they first got to Vermont and Johnny was like, oh, I'm going to call grandpa. I promised him I'd call when I got settled in. And he won't let him call his grandfather. I know. I was like, it's just he, he was awful. I absolutely hated his character. I understand that... It, a big part of the plot is that his dad is trying to keep him from doing all of this stuff. But I was like, y'all rein this back a little bit. Yeah, like he little. is the least likable human being I will, I've ever I will seen. Say, I do going back to the mom, the mom threatens to leave him, not in yeah. those exact words, but you get the gist of like, of her being like, I'm going to leave you. And <laughs> she fully warranted fully warranted for the way this man is acting i would and never stay with a man like that she called him out to his face like she was like i would love to see the fun that our son is trying to have back in you again because guess what you were exactly like him so stop being the way you're being like yeah. she was like you can't be a hypocrite like this you used to have fun and you used to love things and now you suck. 
<laughs> the, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about him a lot. I don't want to go too far into this, but the way he treats his father, the way Johnny's Tragic. dad treats grandpa, so like his Johnny Tsunami, it's awful. He treats him horribly. He really I does. Just, and I ugh, I just absolutely hated that character. While we're going to talk about characters, I would love for us to talk about Emily. Yes. Emily. So Emily is a girl that Johnny meets at school who is dating question mark the racist bully um, is that a thing i don't, I don't know. know unclear unclear if she another is dating unclear him or not. and i guess the reason why i felt like she was dating him was i think that we started to get a little bit of development on emily and then it just stopped yeah like she we started to see more of her and then suddenly we don't see anything of her and it it got to a point where I was like, is this character necessary? Emily is played by Xenon. Kirsten Storms, yeah. Kirsten Storms, yeah. And so I, this is what I didn't like about Emily. Emily felt like an object to me. It felt like she is attached to the hip of Brett, the racist bully skier. And she is just like his little trophy. She's always skiing behind him. And then at the end of the movie... Johnny wins the race and suddenly Emily is like dancing with Johnny and now she's like Johnny's little token trophy girl or whatever. And I just feel it felt like she was an object like he won the medallion and he also won this girl, but we didn't get any development for her. So it wasn't it didn't feel like a true relationship. Am I do you agree that she felt like more of a prop than a character? Yes, I do agree with you. And there's also the other point of they well, they didn't really develop her, but also she didn't have any like romantic anything with any of the characters, like yeah. any romantic chemistry or anything like that. Like I never got that either yeah. in, from like her and Brett, like or her and Johnny, like it never yeah. developed. And so it just felt like off, like it yeah. didn't feel like she really needed to be there. Yeah, I think that's on the writing because I think Johnny and Emily's actors meshed well together. Like I didn't think yeah. that it was nothing, but I think it was the writing of her. I also it, I wish so like this would be a more modern take, but like we talked about like skier versus snowboarding and all of that. But I would have loved instead of Emily getting on a snowboard, I would have loved to see her become like a park rat on her skis. Like I think that would have been yeah. pretty badass instead of her being like, oh, I'm ditching skiing. Her snowboarding, just have her do some cool tricks on her skis, like to show that she's right. like she can let loose. Yeah. 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 I I agree. I think that would be a, a cool way of incorporating her into that world rather than her trying to like become yeah. one of them. And then it doesn't um, paint these two different sports in such like monochromatic ways, you know? Yeah. But I I just think with Emily. She's one of those characters that you could either you could do with or do without. And I don't really like having characters like that, especially with how many characters are in this movie. I was just like, I shouldn't have a character that I'm just like, mm, don't really need them. Or like, you can yeah. have them, but you don't need them. Like, I'd rather have like a less amount of characters where all of them are important than have a couple where it's just like, we could have gone without them. And I think Emily is one of those kind of characters for me. I just think she was halfway developed. So she yeah. was developed to a point where it was like, we could either take her out completely or we could make her a really cool character and very integral yes. to the plot. 
And I could go either way on that. Yeah. And I think they had a cool story with her father being the headmaster. Mm -hmm. And so they talk about, he's like, you were born as a sky, you know, like you were born into this like ski elite kind Mm of world. Um, And I, yeah. And I think it really could have been interesting if they developed her, like you said, where she kind of goes over and takes her own thing and shows that they can also hang with the snowboarders and it's like everyone can be together on one slope and it's not that big of a deal. What I would give to see Xenon do a backflip on her skis. (laughs) That would be sick. That would be sick as hell. What a power move. Yeah. (laughs) Like, see, I, like if I were Johnny and she did that, I would be like, I'm in love. Yeah. Hands down. She's the love of my life. That would have been so much better. And while we're talking about Emily, I would like to move into another negative, which is a scene. Okay. I cackled. I laughed out loud when (laughs) Emily fell off that cliff. Oh my God. (laughs) It was so funny. It's not supposed to be. (laughs) It is not supposed to be very serious and dramatic. And the movie lets us know that it's supposed to be very serious and dramatic. But I laughed. She fell so long. Like, she fell a great distance. But also, like, that would never happen. Like, and and not in the way of Cloud9, Kayla on that peak would never happen. That, like, okay, whatever. We, We got there. This is literally, like, all they had was a sign that said, beware of cliff. There's no way. There's no way that we're just going to have a sign there. Like that would yeah. be fenced off entirely. Like there there would have just been no possible way that she could have fallen off that cliff. <laughs> and within that scene, so she's hanging off the edge of this cliff, right? Mm-hmm. And then Sam and Johnny go to help her and Sam tries to like climb down to help her and he gets stuck on the cliff. Um, first of all, these are children hanging off the side of a cliff <laughs> and there's no one else around them. <laughs> and... So luckily, Johnny goes and finds like a patrol guy and he comes and helps, right? My favorite part of this scene, I laughed hysterically. The patrol guy and Johnny are pulling Emily up on like with a rope uh, off the side of the cliff. And she gets up to the top and she's not even like on the safe part yet. She is still on the side of the cliff, but they're holding her. And her and Johnny have this supposedly romantic moment. I'm like, Sam is still down there. Like, you got to help him. Yeah, no, 100%. It was so funny. But I was like, why did they try to make this a romantic moment? Like, she's not even safe yet because she's not on, like, the flat part. Yeah. <laughs> she is still on the side of the cliff. But also, that scene was insane. Yeah, it was, it, I laughed. I laughed through the whole scene. And there were just, like, there were a lot of things in that that I think because I, I work at a ski resort, I notice things a lot more than maybe someone who doesn't work in the industry would. But, like, I mean... Patrols, ski patrols, not usually on a snowmobile. They're usually on skis. That's why you call them ski patrol or snowboard. There are a lot of snowboarders on ski patrol now, Uh, but you don't typically have them like roving on a snowmobile. So that was kind of weird. Also, this is just like a funny thing I wanted to share. So watching the movie, it's towards the beginning. Emily gets off the ski lift and she she like picks up her ski and her boot comes out and she's like oh my binding's loose i'm going to go see if the lift guy has a screwdriver and me being in a ski lift operator i said that man doesn't have a screwdriver <laughs> i said 
ain't no way that man has a screwdriver because I never have a screwdriver uh, and none of us do. And I I was like, "Hmm, maybe that's just me. But I I brought it up to my boss today at work and I was like, hey, this girl was like, oh, I'm going to go ask the lift guy if he has a screwdriver. And she goes, (laughs) my boss says, said, get effed, get out of (laughs) here. It was just like, if, if you're skiing and you need a screwdriver, don't ask whoever's at the top shack. They don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of ski scenes and the falls, and we were talking about the stunt doubles before this. Oh, These stunt day. doubles were obviously grown people. And, and- there you you could fully tell that these people were not these children. So can I? <laughs> yes, you go ahead. You look this, like you're going I, to explode. Yes, so. this is, this made me laugh as well. So for the surfing, Johnny's, like you said, Johnny's stunt double, clearly a grown man. Yes. But the <laughs> one that made me laugh the most was in the final scene uh, where Johnny is racing Brett. Yeah. His stunt double is white. White. <laughs> Clear, like, white and man. not... Not even like, not even just a little white. Like it, he is clearly a white man. I felt yes. like Schmidt in New Girl, where I was like, a white man? No, no. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding you. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, um, they didn't even try. They, didn't try. <laughs> like, they no, couldn't have gotten no effort made. Any anyone who was a little closer to Johnny's shade, perhaps? <laughs> like, I, the whole movie, like, none of the stunt doubles looked remotely like the characters they were playing. And, but at the end, that was really but, the straw that broke me. <laughs> but the, the they still tried to do close-ups yeah. with the stunt doubles. The and I said, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Especially, like you're saying, if it's a stunt double who is not the same race, as the character. That um, was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> just absolutely absurd. It was truly absurd. And like, I, I really thought that the, that surfer being like a 30-year-old man subbing in for a 13-year-old was going to be the funniest thing in this movie, but I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it got worse. It did. I also want to bring up something that I think is one of the most absurd things that happened other than the white stump double. How did these two children sneak onto a military plane to get to Hawaii? Yes, that. How is that allowed? I, I, from what I've gathered, there's really no sneaking past the military. No, you can't do that. You can't, that's Um, not, that's not a thing. I just think we could have figured out a better way to get them to Hawaii. Because I liked that they went to Hawaii. I liked that they ran away. Yes. I I just think it was one of those moments where when they got to Hawaii, I was like, how did they get there? And then immediately they were like, oh, good thing we snuck onto that military plane. And like, we got here. I was like, these are two like 13 year old boys. There's no way they're sneaking onto a military plane and getting to Hawaii. Sabrina, (laughs) I had the same thought. I literally went, how did they get here? And then when they said that, I said, a military plane. Yeah, no, that no. <laughs> like, the, I we 
we could have found anything better than that. Yeah, any other way. Like I because like like I said, we can't. we liked that they went to Hawaii. It was very integral to their growth. Yeah, but we but like you say, better. you like we love to just like to suspend our disbelief. But there is yes. no way Literally. that I would ever believe that in my entire life. No. Just no. That was, it's, that was, I can't do. Nah, nah. Yeah. I had another one. Oh, I... Hmm. So we've talked about the classism in this movie. And uh, we've touched on the racism uh, towards yes. Johnny from Brett, the bu- the bully character at Sky Academy. First of all, That's another character. I don't know why they're acting like Hawaii isn't the coolest place in the world. Like they're making fun of him for living in Hawaii. Like, okay. I know. Brett was another one of those characters that made me like roll my eyes constantly. Yeah. I was like, why are you like this? And, and like he, I know he's supposed to be a bully, but there were some things where like, I feel like we, we were riding a line <laughs> between yeah. he's a bully and he's a racist. Um, yeah they 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 were on the line they like were they, just right standing right on it they didn't cross it but they were straddling no they were straddling right. yeah they um, they were there and they were looking uh, at it and this leads me to one of my big big dislikes a lot of the snowboarders who also went to the public school are actors of color we have we have some black actors we have some pacific island some latino actors and the snowboarders are called urchins by the skiers who are all who are white all, all of them white only white <laughs> Every people single one of them literally only white people at this academy and there are times when like specifically brett went up to johnny and sam and was like you urchin and it felt like he was saying the n word i'm sorry it <laughs> He didn't have to say a slur, but the energy at which he said urchin, it felt like a slur and I didn't love it. Yeah, it made me wildly uncomfortable to say in the least. I just, it made me cringe because it was like, if you're going to do that, like you said, like it felt way too close. It felt very to what racially they were. motivated. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this and we will never feel this, okay. We already have this segregated mountain based on yeah. what what kind of equipment you strap to your feet. So I I think that we could have pushed that unless this is what they were trying to go for which i don't think it is because it's a decom i think maybe if they had put some more actors of color on the sky academy side but uh i could be wrong this this could have been a whole like x-men-esque metaphor for civil rights so we don't know maybe maybe they were trying to make a statement that went over everyone's heads you know like and then we're watching it now and we're like oh Okay. Yeah. Okay, Johnny Tsunami. Um, but yeah, it, so it, it's it's it either a little very too well, hard. Yeah, it's either very well done or yikes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Once again, on the line. Yes, we really are straddling. Yeah, we really we don't know which way they're going. We they are, really they're, they're riding concerned. that horse like a bucking bronco. I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's rough. And uh, my my last negative. I feel like the underscoring was a bit strong in this one. Yes. Yeah. Not as, not as horribly jarring as Phantom of the Megaplex, but there are there were definitely moments where I was aware of the underscoring and you never want to be aware of the underscoring. 
Yeah, I especially was aware of it during like dramatic moments or like mm. emotional moments. It was very yeah. apparent. Which like the scene, a scene I loved was Johnny Tsunami and Johnny's dad on the porch. And they were talking, mm. they were having a great, like uh, a dramatic moment. And I liked that scene, but the underscoring yeah. and kind of the way it was filmed made it feel way too dramatic. And I think it took away from this great work that these actors were doing. Yeah, agreed. I have a few like small dislikes. Johnny's Hawaii friends, he has two friends at the beginning of the movie. And then when they go to visit, not the best acting wise, but also awful ADR. Mm-hmm. really bad. Luckily, they were small moments, so it wasn't a huge issue, but it was something that stuck out to me. I, it's also um, probably them filming next to the ocean had something to yeah. do with that. So yeah. I was a little more forgiving, but still it was very noticeable. Also, there were just some transitions between scenes that were kind of choppy and awkward that kind of took me out of it. And some of like the s- ski scene shots that was trying to be like, first person and like it, they just didn't translate very well there um, were some weird transitions now that you mentioned yeah it, like there were some like fades but the camera didn't move the actors just did i don't know how to explain yeah, it it was Watch weird movie, you'll notice <laughs> yeah and then my last dislike johnny's hair <gasps> No, I it looked like a helmet and I could not get behind it. It's but really the front looked fine. It was the straight back part of his hair that covered his neck that just looked like it was kind of going into a mullet, but not really. And it just gave me bad vibes. Love Johnny, but his hair could have been better, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I just thought I was like, eh, it's the 90s. See, but even then to me, I was like, this doesn't feel like a 90s haircut. This feels like this kid hasn't gotten a haircut in like two years. That's how it felt to me. Listen, Johnny's busy. He's chasing those swells. He's trying to hang 10. And who knows? Maybe he's trying to like grow out, grow out his hair to look like his grandfather who has yeah. really long hair. Like maybe he was in that transition, that awkward grow out phase. Yeah. But it was just who not a you- look. Would you like to move into fashion since that's kind of a fashion note? Yeah, absolutely. I gotta say. So the mom. I thought the mom had some really nice sweaters when she was in Vermont. I loved her turtlenecks. I loved her coat. Uh, she wore one crop top in Hawaii that I was like, that's cute. Yeah. That's coming back into style. I loved the mom's looks. Yeah. She was great. I, I also loved when Johnny put his Hawaiian shirt under his school uniform. I thought it was a look. I Okay, I think you are reading my notes off of my page because I'm <laughs> not lying. Same exact order. And I put Johnny's Hawaiian shirt under his school blazer, a look. <laughs> That's like, so I love um, it. It looked yeah, great. I, yeah, I thought it looked sick. I did too. And then on the Hawaiian shirt train, I loved how at the end of the movie, all of Johnny's snowboarder friends wore Hawaiian shirts to the race to support him. I thought that yeah, was really cute. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah, I I also loved Sam's beige and tan ski jacket. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked really good on him. And I thought it was just like a cool jacket. And then my last two are the grandpa's striped shirt in Hawaii when Sam and Johnny are there. And then also the grandpa's blue scarf, like chunky, yeah, dark blue scarf. I was like, that's pretty. I like that a lot. Yeah. 
My last fashion note is more you you uh, more of a utility kind of thing. Nobody wore helmets in this movie until the very end. And I, I it was the 90s. People really didn't wear helmets skiing or boarding back then. But it was very jarring to see that because like now you really don't see a lot of people who uh, do winter sports without a helmet. I see it sometimes, but I don't know. I would never, and I'm, I'm a very experienced skier. I would never go out on the hill without my helmet because no matter how good you are, there are also other people who might crash into you and hurt you. Uh, so yeah. that was just very jarring seeing like all of the, nobody in this movie wearing a helmet until the last second, which I don't know why. They did that. Yeah. I almost would have had them not wear helmets at all throughout the whole movie. Then suddenly be like, we care about safety. Yeah, that was not something I like really honed in on. But that now you mentioning it, I it is interesting that they only had helmets on in the very last scene because they were doing dangerous stuff before the last scene. Yeah, I mean, so, I just, especially because huh. those are kids like, whew, yeah, I would never, ever not wear my helmet. <laughs> So would you like to know where the new Johnny Tsunami is now? Yes, I would love to. So Brandon Baker, the lead of Johnny Tsunami, he had his first big role at the age of 12 as Mowgli in Disney's Jungle Book Mowgli story. And it was a Disney straight to video movie. Was it animated? I don't know. It didn't say. And in the same year, actually, he did Disney's Punks, which also starred Jessica Alba, which I've never heard of. I've never heard of this either. And then he had a well-known TV career with his most um, well-known role being Cray Blake in NBC's One World, Mm. as well as a guest star on four episodes of Even Stevens. And he did the voice of Duke on The Proud Family. It's pretty cool. And then after a six-year hiatus, he returned to acting in the 2014 comedy, The Formula, and then also in the 2015 film, Up on the Woof Top. <laughs> is it about um, puppies? I, I guess. <laughs> and he has since retired. So he retired from acting in 2015. Aww, and I like him. since then, he has become a wedding officiant at a wedding planning company called Simply Eloped. You are telling me that I could have Johnny Tsunami, Johnny Kapahawa back on board, officiate my wedding? Yes. Yes, you can. And actually, in an article I read about that, he said a lot of people, because of doing Johnny Tsunami, a lot of people want him because of his role. And because it's a nostalgia thing for a lot of people. And I think it's so cool. Imagine having Johnny yeah. Tsunami or oh, well, yeah. Johnny Kapahala. But yeah, that wouldn't that be dope? Imagine if he married so you. It'd be so dope. It, dude, no. Okay. So <laughs> he would be like, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? And I would be like, hee hee. Yee hee. Yee hee. No, see, what I would love is if he's, like, officiating your wedding and then you guys kiss and then the actor who plays the grandfather comes out and he's like, yee-hee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be an iconic, oh. me- like, memory from your wedding. Absolutely. Uh, so would you like to know a fun fact? Oh, absolutely. Give me I, that. 
one fun fact. I only have one and it's kind of lame. I'm really sorry. I searched really hard, but we cannot skip this segment because we can't. It's it's in our contract. Listen, you did your best and that's all we can ask. The actor who plays Grandpa Johnny Tsunami is actually only nine years older than the actor who is supposed to be his son, Johnny's dad. Whoa. Which I don't know how I feel about that. Because when I saw grandpa for the first time, I was like, this man looks way too young to be a grandpa. But he also looks way too old to be only nine years older than the dad. Yeah, that actor who plays Johnny's dad must look real young for his age. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's 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 time to wrap up our thoughts into a nice little bow. And try to figure out where we're going to put this on the ranking, because I genuinely have no clue. Yeah, same. So what are your overall thoughts of this movie? Um, I, I don't know if this movie's good or not. <laughs> I, I think I have, to, I have to say that outright. I wish it had better skiing representation, but again, I understand. I think... After discussing it with you, I, 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 I'm leaning more towards it's a good movie than a bad movie. Okay. But I really don't know. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Honestly, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. I, I am on the fence about this movie. It's one where I, I can't really tell if I, and this is going to sound bad, but I can't really tell if I really enjoyed it or if it was just like little moments of it that I was like, oh, that was good. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know. I I think I enjoyed it, but that doesn't mean it's a good movie. <laughs> See, I, I enjoy I a lot of things. I can't put my finger on like if, well, one, I don't think I would watch it again. I, I might, but that's I, just yeah, I, I like the world that it's in. Like, I liked the relationships I, for the I most did, part. I loved the relationships. Um, I loved most I all think, the characters. Yeah, I think it was pretty well written, and a lot of the actors were really great. I just think... I also like that we for, had a peek into uh, a culture that we don't always see. Yeah, and I think it was one of those things that it left me wanting more, but not in the way you should, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, I'm not like, ooh, I want to see more of this movie. Like, I want to see more of these characters. Like, I want to see the next movie. It, it was more like, oh, I wish they had fleshed this out. I wish we got more of yeah. this character. And I kind of feel both. I, I I agree with you. I wish we saw more of this, flesh this out more. But I actually am excited to watch the sequel just to see the grandpa and Johnny again. I think... For me, it's Johnny. And I think yeah. it's because I think the actor is great in this yeah. movie. And I think it's well-written. And the fact that you said both writers also wrote the second movie, which gives me hope for the second movie. Because I think yeah. the writing was pretty well done overall. There were a few yeah. characters here and there. But I, I'm i not going to write off the second movie just because of this one. But I think for me, I just wish there was a little more overall in yeah. the world and the characters. Yeah, I think for me too, it's like, I think this movie definitely encapsulated a certain point in the 90s of the culture that they were in, in ski culture and snowboard culture. But yeah. it hasn't aged well because, but thankfully it hasn't aged well. 
because, um, you know, we don't see these stereotypes as much anymore and there's not this animosity. So I think that's where I'm kind of hovering is like, okay, this doesn't feel realistic now, but it definitely was of the time. So I'm going to just look at the ranking and see. I think I liked this better than Cloud Nine. I don't. I, I hate to our, compare two snowboard movies, but I think it's a good place for us to start since we don't know where to put it. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, I honestly don't know if I can say I liked it more than Cloud Nine. Really? Which is surprising me in this moment. I'm I think okay. The relationship. If I'm looking at like writing, I think the writing was better than Cloud Nine. Yes, absolutely. And I agree think with the you on relationships that. were better than Cloud Nine. Uh, But I think technically Cloud9 was better when it came to like stunt doubles looking like they're actors and like the way things were filmed. But also I don't want to compare the stunts in the movies because there's a very stylistic way of way they did the stunts in this movie. Yeah. And also Cloud9 did have an avalanche. Well, (laughs) yes. But didn't they have Sean White as one of the producers? Yes. So, like, they had a professional snowboarder, like, on the set. And I think that helped a lot with the shots and the technical work. And, I mean, it was made a lot later as well. This Mm -hmm. is 1990. But looking back on my Cloud9 notes, there are things that I think are... And I hate saying this like this, but I think there are things that are worse in Cloud9 Mm -hmm. than in Johnny Tsunami. So, I, I would put it above Cloud9 looking back at my nose. Mm-hmm. Okay, so above Cloud9. Yes. I think below Smart House. Would you say? Yes. And I, I think completely agree. Okay. I think we we found it. The number 10 slot on our list of 16 movies. Johnny Tsunami. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this was a fun episode. I had a lot of fun. I hope I hope you guys learned a little bit about the snow sports community and I, I did. Hope- that's awesome. That's awesome. I love learning new things. I love sharing with other people. And so please join us back next week when we will be watching the sequel to this movie, Johnny Kapahala Back on Board. Back to back, baby. Yes. This is the first time we've watched a movie and its sequel back to back. Yeah. And I'm honestly excited to do that just because yeah. I have this one fresh. Yeah. And so I... Think maybe- I- this is something we could do with movies. I like with trilogies. I liked, I like that we're spacing them out, but maybe with like only two movies, maybe we could start watching them back to back. I don't know. And we can talk more next episode, but this movie came out in 1999 back on board came out in 2007, which it's going to be very interesting to see the like technical differences, especially between these movies. Yeah. And even though I did say, you know, I'm not sure if I would want like more of this movie just because there were things that I was missing in the first plot. I am excited to watch this second movie, especially since it was made so far after the first one, just to see how the writing has changed, how the technical side of things has changed and see where they go with it. Because I have no clue. I have not seen the second one at all. So I'm excited to see if they kind of make up for some of this stuff that I felt like we were missing in the first one. Yeah, absolutely. So Megan, where can you find us online? As always, you can find us over on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Also, if you like us, you can rate us five stars on whatever app you're listening on. And if you do, you can also leave a comment and tell us which DCOM 
you would like to hear about next. Yeah. It helps people find the podcast. We want to reach yes. an audience. We want to have a community. A community of all you D-cuppers out there. You big old titties, you. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can say what we want. That's true. So we release new episodes every Sunday. So until next time, I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. And you've been listening to D-Cup. The Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. Dun, 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 dun.